promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 128. Happy are they all who fear the Lord and who follow in God's ways. You shall eat the fruit of your labor. Happiness and prosperity shall be yours. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive shoots round about your table. The one who fears the Lord shall thus indeed be blessed. The Lord bless you from Zion, and may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. May peace be upon Israel. Amen. Ezekiel 38. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, face Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, this is what the Lord God says. Look, I'm against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with all your army, including horses and riders who are all splendidly dressed, a huge assembly armed with large and small shields, all of them brandishing swords, Persia, Cush, and Put are with them, all of them with shields and helmets, Gomer with all its troops and Beth Togarma from the remotest parts of the north, along with all its troops. Many peoples are with you. Be prepared and get yourself ready, you and your whole assembly that has been mobilized around you. You will be their guard. After a long time, you will be summoned. In the last years, you will enter a land that has been restored from war and regathered from many peoples to the mountains of Israel, which had long been a ruin. They were brought out from the peoples, and all of them now live securely. You, all of your troops, and many peoples with you will advance, coming like a thunderstorm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. This is what the Lord God says on that day. Thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will devise an evil plan. You will say, I will advance against a land of open villages. I will come against a tranquil people who are living securely, all of them living without walls and without bars or gates, in order to seize spoil and carry off plunder to turn your hand against ruins now inhabited and against a people gathered from the nations who have been acquiring cattle and possessions and who live at the center of the world. Sheba and Dadon and the merchants of Tarshish with all its rulers will ask you, have you come to see spoil? Have you mobilized your assembly to carry off plunder, to make off with silver and gold, to take cattle and possessions, to seize plenty of spoil? Therefore prophesy, son of man, And say to Gog, this is what the Lord God says, On that day when my people Israel are dwelling securely, will you not know this, and come from your place in the remotest part of the north, you and many peoples with you, who are all riding horses, a huge assembly, a powerful army. You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud covering the land. It will happen in the last days, Gog, that I will bring you against my land, so that the nations may know me when I show myself holy through you in their sight. 
This is what the Lord God says. Are you the one I spoke about in former times through my servants, the prophets of Israel, who for years prophesied in those times that I would bring you against them? Now on that day, the day when God comes against the land of Israel, this is the declaration of the Lord God. My wrath will flare up. I swear in my zeal and fiery rage on that day that there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals of the field, every creature that crawls on the ground and every human being on the face of the earth will tremble before me. The mountains will be demolished, the cliffs will collapse, and every wall will fall to the ground. I will call for a sword against him on all my mountains. This is the declaration of the Lord God, and every man's sword will be against his brother. I will execute judgment on him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour out torrential rain, hailstones, fire, and burning sulfur on him as well as his troops and the many peoples who are with him. I will display my greatness and holiness and will reveal myself in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, many of you have possibly heard sermons on this chapter. Maybe not. I I think previous generations did. Uh, This is one of those chapters that uh, some of our more fundamentalist, fundagelical preachers would go to to want to talk about the end of the world. Because if you remember, for a good generation or two or even more, the way of getting people into the kingdom was through fear, was to scare uh, people into the kingdom. That, that was the that was the goal. There, there wasn't any other goal other than that, to talk about the end of the world and that they better give their life to Jesus or else the world's going to come to an end and things are going to go horribly, horribly wrong. And so this is a place where people come to. Uh, you read this chapter and the following chapter and you see in it uh, things that uh, John probably touched, you know, grasped when he uh, had his revelation. The, the end of the world. This is not something that, that happened in the past. This is talking about the very end uh, after God has already redeemed his people, captured his people, done the work of, of restoration, that uh, one final battle will come. And this Gog uh, of the land of Magog is this chief pre, uh, prince. Uh, the yeah, Gog is the king, Magog is is the nation. And and a um, a Jewish scholar talks about uh, how uh, his name possibly derives from the word for roof, that it is that uh, he considers himself to be one who can hide from God, that God cannot see what he is doing, that he is secure, that he's secure even against the Lord. Um, and this is actually a reading that takes place during the time of the, the, uh, feast of tabernacles or, or tents or, or, um, Sukkot uh, as you'd call it. And it was this uh, time where people would live in tents like they did in the wilderness. And it was to speak to the people of God's protection, that God is going to be taking care of us, that God is going to be protecting us, even at times in which we feel like God is not protecting us. And uh, here you have Gog of Magog believing himself to be above God. That's that's the goal. That That is the direction that he uh, is hoping to go. That... Um, you can trace the lineage of the nations that are brought up back to the descendants of Japheth, the, the, the son of Noah in Genesis 10. But it's a, um, 
it's this understanding that what is going to happen is that at some point someone is finally just going to rebel against God, against God's people, and do a work to punish um, everyone in their sight. Going to try and kill as many people as possible. And so he brings this army with all these nations to try and destroy the people of God for one last time. And it's interesting, verses 7 through 9 is this picture of this army attacking a a vulnerable place where it's talking about open villages and cities without walls and and all these things that God has planted his people securely back in the land and they have nothing to fear of, of anything. And then here comes Gog and Magog. But it's sort of a trap. It's sort of setting it up for, um, the uh, the people of God to be protected by God himself, that God is going to take care of them. But also for me, I read it and I think about how uh, we become secure in our faith. We, we, we have assurance of what it is that God has done. We have assurance of God's promises given to us. But even in that assurance, it doesn't mean that we are protected. It means that that doubts are still going to come, that we are going to be attacked left and right and center by uh, outside and inside forces, that that there are going to be things that are going to happen that, um, that are going to cause us to doubt our, um, that are co- going to cause us to doubt whether God is being truthful to us, for instance, that we're going to doubt what it is that, that God has done for us in, in Jesus. And we, we can't just be lulled into a false sense of security. We have to, uh, we have to be able to cling to what it is that, that God has promised. And we have to hear that promise over and over again. It's why we need to have the gospel preached to us all the time. We need to have God spoken into our ear because that is how faith comes about. That's how our assurance is built up. That's how we are we are strengthened by what it is that God uh, has to say to us. Um, and, and so we want to be able to rem- be reminded that God is the one who will protect us, that, that we have a God who knows us and we know him. Because remember, uh, as we read, we have the, we have the uh, section... Uh, 14 through 16, that uh, God is allowing Magog and the, the people of Magog and all the other nations that are connected to him to make their way into the land. Why? So that the nations may know me when I show myself holy through you in their sight, that God's going to lay the door open for some suffering to come, for some battles to come, so that all the other nations might see the response to this. That, that God is going to finally vanquish the last enemy, that people might finally know what it is that God has done in Jesus for them. And to, uh, to read this now, we have to cling to the, the reality of what it is that God has already done in Jesus, but what God is going to fulfill for us at the end of days, that the devil will finally be vanquished, that death will be no more, that that the fear of death, the fear of one's coming to us and, and taking us out of this world uh, is going to be taken away from us. It's going to be destroyed. And that God is going to have that final 
victory for the whole purpose that people might know him. I like how it ends uh, beginning in verse 20 uh, on down to the end. It says that every human being on the face of the earth will tremble before me. He, he's talking about the mountains uh, being demolished, cliffs collapsing, all these things. This, this sense of a great earthquake, but then also people quaking. People quaking because they were trusting in themselves. They were trusting in other things. And now God has brought about this victory. And so that they can't trust in themselves anymore. They have to trust in this one who they didn't think uh, would um, would come, but does. <laughs> That's a crazy thing, right? That that uh, that God is, is going to have this final victory to make sure that we know that um, that God is God that he is the Lord, that he is going to win. I love verse 21. I will call for a sword against him on all my mountains. And I read that verse as I was preparing for this, and I couldn't think of anything else but Mount Calvary, that it is there that on that mountain that Christ has vanquished the evil one, that judgment of the evil one had come in that place, that, that even in his death, as that spear pierces his side, as we think he is gone, he's not. That God is bringing in about a victory in what looks like defeat. And that is how we, we make our way through all the defeats of our lives, that all the failings of our lives, all the fears of our lives, in trusting and knowing that not only 2,000 years ago did Christ defeat death and sin and the devil and bring forgiveness and mercy and resurrection but that also in the end, he's going to do the same. That it is that that great victory happened there on Mount Calvary at the cross over all those things. And we point our eyes back 2,000 years ago to that work done for us. But then we also point our eyes forward ahead to whenever the last day comes, that God is bringing, going to bring out a final victory to cement what it is that he already accomplished in the cross in the eyes of all those that can see it. And it's going to cause people to quake. It's going to cause people to fear because of how we trust in so many other things, but we have to trust in him. Because finally he says, verse 23, I will display my greatness and holiness and will reveal myself in the sight of many nations. They will know that I am the Lord. And that is the goal of our readings here, church. That's our goal always, that we might know him more and what he has done. Know him in the power of the resurrection, the greatness of his sufferings for us, the fact that suffering is going to come, and yet we trust in Christ that he is going to do the work to redeem, to save, protect, and guide us through all that we fear, that he might be our Lord, that he might be our Christ, and that we, we might trust in him and him alone. Let us pray. Righteous God, our merciful master, you own the earth and all its peoples, and you give us all that we have. Inspire us to serve you with justice and wisdom and prepare us for the joy of the day of your coming through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Well, church, prayers that you have a blessed uh, Thanksgiving. Um, we will not have a podcast next week because of the holiday, but we will be back to our regularly scheduled program in two weeks. 
but uh, please continue to share this with others. Uh, take it, uh, take it around the world. We've got listeners all over the world listening to us right now, and I'm so thankful to God for that. I pray that uh, you'd continue to be nourished by the Word of God, by the promises that He brings to us in Jesus, and that we might continue to have fun finding Him all over the Scriptures. Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen.